so we're here for another episode of Seek Find. Um, today we have Harriet Davey, um, who is a Berlin-based artist originally from the UK, um, who works in like 3D, AR, creative tech, um, doing a multitude of different design uh facets of design um but welcome thank you so much for coming on hi thank you for having me i'm super yeah, excited maybe... to be here <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining um yeah i gave a small intro but would love to hear kind of um in your own words like a bit about your background like where you're from um yeah stuff like that what you're doing yeah sure so I'm Harriet Davey. I sometimes on the internet go by Harriet.blend, uh, which some people think is my surname now. So call me what you want. Uh, usually I I introduce myself as a 3D artist, graphic designer, and AR creator. However, most of what I've been doing recently doesn't involve graphic design or much augmented reality. So I think primarily it's probably more suitable to just now continue calling myself like a 3D CGI designer rather than the others. Uh, sometimes I call my work visually vomiting, which is a term that I, I kind of came up with a few years ago when I was just really in this creative kind of, what's the opposite of a creative block? I was making a lot of work. I was like vomiting it out <laughs> and just putting it into the world and the world was liking it. And then that's where, where that came from. <laughs> Yeah, so originally I'm from the UK. I was I was born in the north of England in the, and I lived in the countryside for a really, really long time. I studied graphic design. Halfway through studying graphic design, realized I hated graphic design, but still carried on. I spent a year in Berlin for Erasmus and there I really kind of got settled as a 3D designer, finished my degree back in London and now I'm back in Berlin again, freelancing as a 3D designer. Um, and maybe for people who aren't familiar with Erasmus, can you explain a little bit about what that is? Because it's part of university, right? Yeah, so maybe you know it as, as like a study abroad scheme. However, mm. my university and a lot of the universities offered for the option instead to go study for a year, I could just work. And they actually gave me more, and you also get paid from from Erasmus, uh, a little bit of money to be able to go and do that. And by working, I got paid more from the Erasmus scheme, which is kind of mental. Amazing. Because then I also <laughs> managed to find some internships that were paid. But yeah, it also means that if you can't find an internship that is paid, then you're still going to have enough to live off. Uh, yeah, so I had friends who studied, but I spent the whole year in Berlin. I interned at mainly one studio called The People, where we were doing kind of agency graphic design stuff, but quite mostly cultural clients. We also made a sci-fi film and I got to do loads of like real IRL prop work on the build for the shoot of that. And then I also got to do some of the CGI for the, for the final film. And then I also interned a bit with a like really traditional graphic designer called Max Moralka. Uh, and then I worked a bit with the artist collective Kaken as well. So that was kind of the three main, t main kind of things I did. 
Nice. And the the sci-fi film had its big launch not too long ago, right? Yeah. So I guess the the premiere, so I was back in the UK. It was December, not the year, not the December we just had, the one before. So, right? (laughs) I can't keep track anymore. No, wait. One month. Oh, God. I'm so, yeah. You know what it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So about a year and a half ago, we had the premiere. But since then, I haven't really been involved in the movie that much because obviously I wasn't here in Berlin. But we did a lot of fundraising and and trying to get more artists on board because the movie was in a finished state. But you know, we wanted to get it better, so we did this huge fundraiser and managed to meet the goal for that. And so at mm-hmm. some point, the final, the final, final, final film is coming. The final, final. Okay, so there's still there still is more to come. Yeah, there's still more, and it's called it's called Space Birth Two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is no Space yeah. Birth One, which has endlessly amused me. Isn't that like um like Trolls Two or whatever? <laughs> trolls. Does I know Trolls? One. Trolls Two. It's like it's it's like a very classic like bad bad film and like you know like vomiting green glue goop and just like people these like trolls like eating people whatever <laughs> but it's called trolls 2 but there's like no trolls 1 <gasps> i had no so. idea oh yeah. marius it's <laughs> tea. um yeah and you're you're still working a bit with them right i'm kind of on and off i haven't i'm still in contact uh we actually <laughs> a few weeks back uh marius messaged no i mean i was i'm still logged in on the people facebook page and i'd seen that that we'd been accepted into a hedgehog breeding group in berlin and i messaged marius like (laughs) what is going on (laughs) what what is this and he was like oh (laughs) oh how do you know are you in this group too and i was like no i'm just still logged in so i can like see what's happening and he was like oh do you know anyone with a hedgehog? And I was like, yeah, my boyfriend has a hedgehog. Because <laughs> they wanted to have a little what? hedgehog. <laughs> this is why I'd noticed it in the first place. Uh, and then we, yeah, we went and got this hedgehog and, and took her on a shoot with the people. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what a, that's so random, too. Yeah, it's it's really... At the time, I was like, how is this happening? <laughs> <laughs> um but a wonderful like serendipitous moment that your your boyfriend had a hedgehog to bring on to this um yeah so you you're here in berlin you moved back after you finished school um and like got that out of the way like how maybe what was the moment when you realized that 3d was what you wanted to do rather than graphic design and maybe how did that did it make it difficult to be back in school and having to finish up a degree in like a field of study where maybe you wanted to get out of the way and like finish the degree, but maybe, maybe knew that it wasn't what you wanted to do? Yeah. I mean, being back there at first, kind of up until Christmas, I was really missing Berlin. Like I was missing all the really good friends I'd had in Berlin. Obviously, there are a number of us who were, who were in Berlin together from school and we all went back together. So maybe 20 of us, but then we were going back wow. into the year below. So I didn't know anyone really in the year below. Uh, so that was also a bit difficult kind of going back and, and not being like in your really close knit year group. 
because you know we spend every day in the studio together almost so you really get to know the people on your course unlike other courses where maybe you don't spend so so long with each other and so for the first few months I was <laughs> really annoyed by everything I was having to do I feel like it was so restrictive we were having to do briefs that I couldn't find my own way in like I couldn't find a way to inject my own personality or, my, or the own work that I wanted to do but then eventually like after Christmas the briefs thankfully opened up and I started to do more 3D stuff because up until then the tutors a lot of them had never seen any of of, of that side of my work <laughs> um, mm. and then suddenly I kind of there was like a film brief and at the same time I was also working on uh, a piece of work through through a friend through DigiGal that was meant to be for planetarium viewing and I thought okay I'm going to build a piece a piece for this anyway I'm just going to do this for the uni brief and, and mix them together and so that was like the first time a lot of the tutors had seen 3D work and it's not very common on the course either and I think a lot of the times I would bring in this 3D stuff and they would just be so perplexed by how I'd done it and they'd never really seen anything like this before so they wouldn't know how to mark it they wouldn't really understand it, which also kind of worked in my favor because I could just be like, like, yeah, this is this is it, you know, <laughs> critique this. You cannot <laughs> uh, be my guest. So, yeah, by the end, I was actually all right. And then finishing it through the pandemic and the lockdown. For a lot of people, it was really hard because they really wanted to be in the studios, in the workshops, building and making things. But I am pretty happy to be sat at home on my computer and I sat at home on my computer and finished off mm. my degree and then was also doing a bit of freelancing at, at the same time and that was the first time I'd properly really done some freelance 3D things like I'd, I'd done it a bit on Erasmus and kind of dipped my toes but I'd, I'd, I'd done like three jobs total you know nothing to mm. write to the tax office about so <laughs> Yeah, I I actually hated it at first going back, but then found found a way to to fit everything in together. So it wasn't so bad. Mm. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and so maybe kind of going back to maybe what draws you into three D and stuff like that. Like I I know from previous conversations that you you love like games and, and fantasy and like you have a D&D group um that you play with regularly um and I'd love to hear a little bit more about that like this engaging this engagement with like fantasy worlds and like maybe um kind of your history with gaming and and if and how that's kind of led you into where you are today with with what you want to do and and where you want to go with um kind of your career yeah, for sure. So I grew up on the hillside. The near the nearest village was about a mile and a half, two miles away. So I was I grew up really isolated. It was just me, my sister. When I was much younger, there was another kid who lived across a field from us. And so I obviously grew this really over overreactive imagination. I read so many books and they were all fantasy books. I loved dragons and fantasy and magic and I mean I was obsessed with dragons for a good portion of my life probably like seven years I could tell you 
every fact about every species ever. I was. What's your What's your favorite species? Um. Or your favorite dragon? My favorite dragon. I really like. There's a story of this English, the Lambton worm, and it it's basically like a huge snake with two legs. And it's just this big, fat, pathetic, ugly, disgusting worm that lived in a well and terrorized a village in England. And I just, <laughs> I love that fantasy dragons from all other cultures are like really magical and huge and mysterious. And, and they kind of have these grandiose tails. And then you've got this fat, ugly, smelly worm in a well in <laughs> the UK, which, which yeah. I love. Yeah. So yeah, I, I grew up with this kind of and also I, I was in the countryside kind of in this barren sort of moorland and I would just spend days outside in the trees running around like a little wild child and so I feel like this like this is a backdrop for all of the CGI creatures and worlds that I build now and they're all kind of in my mind they live in another universe version of this kind of childhood space yeah it sounds very like um as as isolating as it was it sounds also very beautiful yeah it was really freeing and I think a lot of maybe some people kind of could have hated it and and could have looked back maybe with some remorse or like why did I have to grow up in this like isolated space but for me I I loved it and and looking back, I think I wouldn't have changed changed it mm-hmm. if I had a choice. Yeah. Do you think that that's um, maybe been part of the draw with living in Berlin, like having a city vibe, but also it is um, in parts of Berlin at least, like it is a bit sparse. It is like there are lots of opportunities here, but it's not like so crazy and packed and full and and insane as like London or New York or or Tokyo yeah I feel like I have space here to think um Mm. and also for me Berlin feels most similar to the English city of Manchester which I also grew up near Manchester so it feels more like home than like London I hate London every time I have to go into (laughs) London through London I have, I just, I hate the amount of people that there are around you. You know, you Mm. here, I can sit down on public transport in London. (laughs) That ain't going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I think I've got a proper seat on the tube, like maybe four times in all of my times to London. It's insane. And I don't, I don't want to have to struggle to live. You know, I don't want to have to be working 15 hours a day just to be able to survive and and everyone in London has this mentality that they're they're working they're working they're working you know they they also play hard I guess but like it's this constant on 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 lifestyle and for me like I just need to sit back have a bath like sometimes I don't I don't want to do anything in a day and that lifestyle is not as sustainable in London as it is in Berlin yeah definitely not um I'm yeah totally I'm and London too. My cousin used to live there, and I remember going over to visit her one time and being kind of shocked because she lived with like six people, and they all had super professional jobs, like working at Sony and mm. these other like 
yeah, very professional jobs, but they're living in these super cramped quarters and like six people in a tiny house. Um, yeah. Um, uh, and like, I think they're in their late twenties and thirties and it's a really different lifestyle. Yeah. My, so my sister is living in like a box room that she shares with her boyfriend. I think there's not even room in her room for her clothes. They're in another room of the house and she pays more. I think she pays like the same in two weeks that I pay for my rent in, in a month. It's oh my gosh. <laughs> insane. It's absolutely freaking crazy. Yeah, totally. Um, would you ever move to like, what would, what would make you move to London? I'm not sure. Mm. Like it would it would have to be either either a short-term thing. I'm there for 6 months. I could do a 6 months fun in London, but long-term it would it would have to be that I could afford to to live the same lifestyle that I live here. Mm-hmm. And to be able to do that in London or yeah, that that's it really to be honest. I think it's more a financial barrier. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, on like a slightly different note, um, it kind of vaguely relating to financial barriers, like you've been a really big advocate for open source technology and open source software um, and open source like learning as well, which I think is really cool. Um, And you give a lot of tutorials as well, like on Twitch and in other spaces too um yeah and you're you're actually the reason that i switched to blender from c4d which i'm i'm never going back (laughs) yeah because you're always like you're hyping it up all the time you're being like no like blender is so great like it's really awesome and yeah and so i ended up switching and i I will never go back Um, i love it yes blender is amazing and anyone who's listening if you ever want to get into 3d like please try blender it's free it's incredible it's so powerful yeah um it's it's honestly it's i wish someone had told me about blender when i was a child because i didn't even know that like blender's been going for over over 10 i know that their cycles engine is 10 years old this year so it Blender is older than that, at least. And I'm like, if I had been a child with my little stretchy brain, if I'd learned this at a younger age, I would have been incredible now. But anyway, I mean, Blender, ah, I, I just wish that there was a Blender org for every design software. You know, we have, I still pay a subscription to Adobe because I need Photoshop, I need InDesign, I need Illustrator and Premiere. And there's no one in the space of those programs doing the same that Blender is disrupting in the 3D world. Like Blender, there's a new update for Blender every two weeks or something ridiculous. Like I don't run off the latest version because I just can't keep up with all the changes all the time. Hmm. And Blender are constantly adding new features that like ZBrush turn around and they think, oh shit, now we've got to go and develop that okay, right, bear with us yeah. five months down the line, they come and they add it in, like <laughs> Blender, I'm trying to remember what the feature is, but Maya just added something in that completely copied what Blender had added, like mm. Blender invented this cloth sculpting brush and then six months later, you brush have it. It's, it's a really good cloth sculpting brush. It's gorgeous. It's like really it's, nice. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, it's so much is offered and it's free. And I mean, as well, there's so many plugins you can get with it. Um, that are also free most of the time. Whereas maybe yeah. in, in Cinema 4D, something that I found really frustrating was to render things in like a quicker amount of time. Cause like C4D often takes so long to render anything and you have to set up so much, even with just like the basic render to make it look okay. Mm-hmm. Um, to like have to buy all these plugins in addition to buying this like, really expensive software um yeah yeah, and it becomes pretty pretty inaccessible um yeah Uh, and you're currently a resident at artist and resident at factory berlin right is that still going on it's still going on uh i'm still working on the project that i've been working on there i'm i'm doing a collaboration with one of the musicians uh i'm trying to relearn unreal engine because i learned it a year like about a year ago and then i've forgotten everything that i learned <laughs> so i'm mm-hmm. another free software god bless the Fortnite children and all the money that they're pumping into games <laughs> for unreal engine yeah um yeah any any uh kind of teasers you want to drop about that yeah so we're working on building an interactive experience and the kind of premise of the piece of music. So it's based on this piece of music that Sebastian's written and it's, it's really beautiful. And it's kind of based on this concept that in the future, maybe humans don't speak to each other anymore uh, because of technologies, etc. You can think what you want. Uh, but at some point, a, a lot of humans come back together into a space and this is this piece is the first piece of music that they make together because they kind of remember how to sing as a group and it has this really ethereal build-up um so I'm just trying to honor the beauty of the track really Mm. yeah yeah um cool well we're excited to to Take a peek at it once it's done. Um, <laughs> I'm excited too. To, to, to look at it done. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, yeah. if lockdown restrictions ease, then in factory we'll be able to do like screenings of it, or kind of like immersive screenings in different spaces. It should be really good. Has it been tricky being part of a residency while Corona? like the lockdowns and everything while that's been going on. Yeah. Um, Cause at first we were, we were all in the space together and then they kind of locked us down again. And so I haven't since Christmas, I really haven't been going back into factory as much as I wanted to, just cause I'm pretty weary of wary, weary, wary mm. of, of it all. And, and just don't want to be going into a risky situation that I don't have to be in. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, but um, it's, defi- it's definitely been an interesting one because, you know, like a lot of us are all creating digital experiences and I I kind of wonder <laughs> if I can't, you sort of forget how much these real-life meetings really help push development of things and... Mm-hmm. It's not until you you don't you don't have the capability to do that that you that you really miss them. 
Yeah. And just being able to maybe not only communicate, but just get that like little spice of the sprinkle of energy. Yeah. Yeah. This, this energy exchange completely. Yeah. You just, you can't get that across a video or a voice call. Yeah, totally. Um, have you been able to get a vaccine appointment? No. Um, so my, <laughs> we have a, not a good history of blood clots in the family. So I don't think I'll go for the AstraZeneca, um, which is a shame, but I think that Johnson, I saw that Johnson Johnson is starting here. I saw that too today. But I didn't actually um, look into it. Well, I mean, I hope so. Cause if it's true, that would be amazing. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm kind of shocked by <laughs> how Merkel and Germany seem to be just messing this up in comparison to the UK, which to me, the UK is like, they don't do this stuff. Well, they don't do mm. bureaucracy or mass produced. This is not something the UK is, is known for doing. And then the UK have obviously, well, I mean, they bought out a lot of the vaccines, which helped, but my whole family's got vaccinated in the UK. Like I've had, I haven't had any text messages from my GP back in the UK, but I've got friends who keep getting messages like texting it's time to book your vaccine and they're here in berlin so Amazing. they can't yeah um because i think is it like 50 percent or something of people in the uk are vaccinated yeah it was 50 percent a little while ago so mm. i guess it's more than that now but then they that's 50 percent have the first dose okay i think because they're taking like 12 weeks between the two doses rather than is it six or four here? Uh, I don't know. In Canada, they've like extended it to four months. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's wild. They've like opened up bars and everything. Too. Yeah, yeah. Which is a crazy concept <laughs> to think of it almost. Oh man, and 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 it's weird to me that when I when I came back here in the last at the end of last summer, everything was open. And everything was shut in the UK. So I came here and I was like, eh, suckers back in the UK. <laughs> like, I can go to a restaurant. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> and now it's yeah. the other way around. <laughs> Every country is doing it so differently. Mm. And like some countries never shut down at all. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe... Um, Going back to some of the Twitch streams, like, mm -hmm. um, so you've been doing that, like, you've been going over a number of things like Daz and Blender um, and just trying to provide, like, tutorials to people that are, like, accessible with these free programs so that um, anyone who wants to learn can learn. Um, is this something that you want to keep doing? Like, do you, because do you, stream as well for like gaming stuff um i did one game stream the other day and like three people watched it so i thought okay no one wants to watch that that's fine i'm also like i'm not a very good gamer you know i, I play i play overwatch which is a first person shooter and like my technical i would say my technical skills not great i can't aim for shit but my game sense skills and i think i'm funny <laughs> great so why wouldn't you want to watch me pig around the map as as mercy not doing anything yeah i mean <laughs> i as as 
everything I've learned in 3D has come from free tutorials on the internet. So I just want to be part of a community that, that gives back to that. And also I've never, up until five months ago, I'd never watched a tutorial uh, to learn something that had not been made by a white man. <laughs> and it was something that I wasn't really consciously noticing until I started doing my own tutorials. And then I was like, oh, wait, uh, yeah, that's that's a thing. Um, and then I've, I have noticed that some other DigiGals have also started doing some tutorials, so that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, like, um, yeah, the concept of taking up space, I think, is, yeah. like, certainly applicable in that realm. Um, yeah, I mean, if... I think I'm I don't have like the energy or capacity to be able to do really slickly edited YouTube tutorials. So for me, yeah, I'm just like live streaming and kind of going slowly and trying to explain things as I go. And so I did like two really in-depth kind of I think they were like two and a half hour workshops, which a number of people followed live along. They were asking questions. Um I wanna do more of that and I also wanna do just where I stream my process and maybe don't talk to the chat as much and don't unless like there are really pressing questions just so people get more of a general idea of how like fast the workflow can be as well because mm -hmm. I think it's also quite <laughs> it's quite tiring if you're following a really long slow tutorial and sometimes you just want to skip through yeah yeah and I actually wasn't really expecting people to particularly want that I was just happy to put them out into the space and maybe if if one person watches it and it's helpful for them then it was worth it but then I then didn't stream for uh, for ages and people were messaging me saying oh please can you do more twitch streams can you and I was like okay yeah I'm, if that's what you want I'm I'm very happy to give yeah definitely yeah the workflow portion I think is interesting too there was like a tutorial I was watching like yesterday or today when it was like 11 minutes long and all like the actual bit that was the tutorial was about was like 30 seconds long and it was like like two thirds of the way through and I was just like oh my god like get on with it already um, and this guy just like wanted to hear himself talk I think he's just like talking talking oh. <laughs> like, there yeah. is one really good channel I can recommend for blender users it's uh default cube is one of the, he has two channels one is default cube the other one escapes me but it's the same person mm -hmm. and he does like rapid fire the tutorials are never more than about 10 minutes long and it's Is are sometimes too quick for me yeah i mean for me <laughs> i'm that's that's the speed that i need it at otherwise i get bored yeah, um, yeah gen z <laughs> <laughs> yeah the attention span is not there so i just need to go bah, bah. yeah but like, if I feel like for me, the tutorial is the right speed if I have to pause it to, mm -hmm. to catch yeah. up. Like, otherwise, it's too slow. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, maybe another question. Um, and this is more abstract, and you can answer it in whatever way you want. It doesn't have to be work related at all. But what are you? What are you seeking? Ooh. <laughs> I'm I would say I'm I'm seeking like the same things that I'm doing now but just 
a more curated version of that. So I would love to be able to say no to more things because I have more interesting things on at the same time, you know? Mm. I think what any, what any artist who is or designer who's making money through providing artwork or design for clients like I want to be able to say no to the projects I don't want to do because I don't have to to do them uh and I'm also really bad at saying no (laughs) so it's it's not just like from a a project standpoint it's also from a personal standpoint like I really struggle to say no to things so I'm trying to to work on that more Mm. to to limit actually how much time I'm going to give out to people because I end up taking on so many things at the same time and then just getting stressed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a really learned skill. I think that is like a forever kind of skill that one needs to build. Yeah. I think I'm getting there, you know, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm working on it, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's going to take some time. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, what are what are some ways that you've noticed, like even in the last year, um, of things you've learned, or like maybe like something I've thought for some years is like um, to say no to someone and to have them be happy about it is like a really difficult skill, but a really important skill to have. Uh-huh. Um, Cause like if everyone leaves, if you say no and they, the other person leaves the table and they still feel good about it. Um, I think that that's like, you know, everyone kind of wins, you know? But, yeah. Yeah. I um, think, I think the way to, to achieve that, that I found that works <clears throat> is to like, it's, it's, it's not normally projects that I, that I hate that I have to say no to it. It's, it's normally the really fun ones that, don't have the biggest budget or mm. I don't have time for. And so I think I, I think I normally kind of word it in a way that I would love to, but it's, it's like not something that I have capacity for right now. And it, and maybe I would in the future. And like, that's not a lie because maybe I would have capacity for them in the future. And I do have people come back and then we, and then we figure out something, something later on and it works mm-hmm. out. Yeah. What's, um, what's something that you would tell younger Harriet, like five to 10 years ago? Um, you are not going to become a doctor and it's going to be okay. (laughs) Your family will be a bit disappointed for a Mm -hmm. while and then they'll be all right with it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Cause I, I grew up, um, I'm for the first period of my life, I wanted to be a dragon tamer. And then okay. when I started seriously thinking about my career, I was like super into wanting to be a doctor and mm-hmm. I really wanted to help people. I thought I would, I thought I would make a good doctor. I, I was working a lot with children. Like I was in a ballet school. And so I was teaching children like three and four years old ballet. And so I thought I could carry on that kind of vein. I love biology. I also, I mean, I did crazy work experience. Like I worked in a funeral directors for a bit when I was like oh 16 because <laughs> I wasn't old enough to work in the hospital for work experience. And I, I still needed Wait, so you worked in a funeral. <laughs> yeah, um, this is something how- that, that all my friends know about. And I tell people and they look at me like, what the, what, 
What? Did you, you have to like it? You embalmed people as well. I did everything. Yeah, it was like wow. a super small family business in my home village, mm-hmm. and I did everything. Yeah, I and I learned so much, and it also gave me such an interesting kind of out. I would say outlook on on life and death, and like death doesn't scare me at all. And I don't know if it did before, but it definitely doesn't now. Mm. Um, yeah, and so I. I'd completely planned to be a doctor. I like went to loads of interviews at med schools. I had offers uh, to to go to uni to study medicine, and then, but in the UK, you apply to uni, they accept you, but they say you have to get it's a conditional offer, and they say you've got to get these grades in your A level exams. Mm-hmm. And I had to get three A's. I got A A C. The C was in chemistry. And chemistry, for some reason, is the most important degree, uh, most important subject that they want. And so they said no. Then my chemistry got remarked. But they were like, if it had been a B, like we would have let you in. And then my chemistry Mm. got remarked eventually and went up to a B. But then it was too late. It got remarked because the markers had made a mistake. Yeah. So it was one mark off a B and they'd made a mistake and it got remarked Mm. up one mark. Um, but by then all the places at the school had been filled and I was like, okay, do you know what? That's fine. I'm, mm. I'm going to fuck off to Leeds and I'm going to do an art foundation. Cause I also had studied, um, art as one of my A-levels. I'd done a lot of painting and I kind of thought maybe I'll go be an artist. I'll probably, I was then at the time I was thinking, okay, I have to find some way to make money. So I'm interested in, in maybe illustration but I don't mm-hmm. really like illustration enough to be drawing like every day, like you have to be. And then I thought, you know, graphic design, I think I have a good eye for design in general and kind of creative. And so I followed that and then went to study graphic design mm-hmm. and didn't look um, back. <laughs> wow. So if you, if it hadn't been marked as a C initially and you'd been accepted, um, would we be would we be speaking with a pre med student right now? I would have graduated the same year because mm-hmm. because I, I did the year out in Erasmus and then I also did a a pre year of um, art foundation and so it would have been the same amount of years. So I would have been a junior doctor in the NHS in COVID <laughs> right now. Wow. wow! And I think I would be a, a completely different person to be honest. So how many, because I think maybe in North America, it's like a different number of years, because like in North America, it's like nine years. I know some people who are in med oh, school, okay. like how many, how many years is it? It's, it's the same, like three years. So it's, it's five years UK? at university and, and then you're qualified as a junior doctor and you do two okay. years as a junior doctor, um, just being a runt, like running around the hospital, doing mm. everything everyone wants you to do. And then after that you're a proper doctor mm-hmm. yeah so um, I think as far as I think I'm pretty sure that's how it is if I remember mm-hmm. correctly and you're, you're you kind of come from a, a family of people who work in medical related yeah so my stuff. dad my dad is a doctor my mum is a respiratory physio my granddad was a chemist like it's mm-hmm. kind of a quite sciencey Mm-hmm. um family and then my sister is now a musician she was a flautist mm-hmm. and I think apparently I wasn't there my mom told me that one at one point my dad turned to her and said what if we created an artist <laughs> and a musician <laughs> <laughs> but I, I my mom like my mom has always really championed 
like mine and my sister's artistic sides because when she was deciding what she wanted to do she was really really good she was better than I ever was at art like she was an incredible painter and her mum my grandma kind of never really encouraged that side of her and so she never felt that it was a viable career as like outlook and so never properly followed it mm-hmm. and so I think she kind of lives through me and it through mm-hmm. my creative practice and she's retiring this year shout mm-hmm. out to my mom she's going to get like some cats I think she's going to like mm-hmm. start up painting properly again get some more creative yeah. hobbies That's super nice did your sister ever have a desire to be a doctor or in the medical field uh no she was pretty adverse to it all actually mm-hmm. um she never really had like much of an idea of what she wanted to do she was always really really good at the flute um and I think wasn't really sure whether that would be what she wanted to do and actually she was really really good and and at first I don't think she really enjoyed it you know when you're a kid and you're like forced to practice and you know you're meant to do it and I think for a while she probably hated it a bit but but then she kind of got older and fell in love with it again as she had been before she started playing and is like totally into it mm-hmm. very cool um and she is still finishing school or she is yeah she's in third year at mm-hmm. Guildhall conservatory i think they do four years so she's still got another year to go mm-hmm. still a little baby baby flautist yeah. <laughs> And you two have done some like collabs in the past as well, right? Where like you've done the visual side and she's done kind of the sound portion of it. Yeah. So she does a lot of the music for some of my shorter animations and then she completely scored the whole uh, piece for my planetarium piece. And then she's, she's done some other pieces for some other Digigirl projects. Uh, She's, Mm -hmm getting into composition and like live electronics which for me is super exciting and mm. like a couple of years ago she came to visit me in Berlin and I really I like I took her to there was that uh there was that laser light music show I remember Kraftwerk. Yeah. yeah so I took her to that and I was like look at this like you don't have to go play in an orchestra you don't have to teach music those those are not the only two careers that you can come Mm -hmm. and you can keep doing your weird electronic stuff and there's a world for that and so I'm always trying to push this upon (laughs) her because I I feel like it's it's a bubble that I'm kind of part of but she's never really kind of known about it so Mm -hmm. yeah a huge world yeah huge world yeah definitely um and I mean Berlin is such a great place for that as well with like the the very vibrant music scene here um would she ever move to you don't have to <laughs> maybe maybe she doesn't know maybe you don't know like could you see her like being in Berlin now and like you know being part of the the techno scene I don't know like in some ways she is really really different to me yeah. um like I think she is more suited to this like high functioning London life that we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could see her coming here and getting really interested with, with the music scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so Imogen, when you're li- listening, <laughs> you know what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What, um, 
what do you want to do in the future? Like maybe, so you've mentioned maybe the, having the ability to say no um, and kind of define what you're working on a bit more specifically, but um, maybe aside from that, like what are things that you want to kind of explore or develop or, or just yeah. any, any sort of aspirations like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to learn more softwares. I want to have a really good grip because I, I have a really good grip on DAZ. I have a really good grip on Blender and I feel so at home and comfortable with them. And I want that same feeling for Unreal Engine, which is going to take a while, but I want that for that. And then I'm also going to, I was going to start learning Substance Painter, but I just, Quixel Mixer just updated for their 2021 and it's free and Ooh. it's like, the Unreal Epic Games version of Substance Painter. So I think, I'm, do you know what? Bye-bye Substance. I'm not going to pay you. For, well, I wasn't paying anyway because I was on the student <laughs> license. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'm I'm sticking to my guns of all free softwares. Mm -hmm. And then thinking to the future, like the kind of work I want to do, like in, in an ideal world, I'm still doing commercial work, but in a way that a brand approaches me because they want 100% me and they don't try and dilute my ideas. They don't tell me what to do. They just say, we want something like this that's like something you've done, do what you want. And that doesn't really happen very often. And obviously maybe it's a bit of a pipe dream, but I've had, I have had projects with, like I had a project with Maison Margiela and they were like, here's an inspiration board like this is one of the pillars of design that we're that we're kind of inspired by for this collection we just want you to interpret your own version of wet look and that for me has been the most joyous project I've ever worked on like I got to do anything I wanted I sent them the progress and they were like this is amazing keep going we love it <laughs> there was no more feedback and that's to be able to do more jobs like that and to be able to to live from that is is the dream yeah, yeah. and definitely possible and it, it turned out really great that project oh. yeah and I, brands don't understand that when because the amount of times I've I've done work for someone and then they're like oh let's just change this 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 and this and then I change it all and then they're like oh actually no the first one was better and it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I know. <laughs> I know better yeah. than you do. <laughs> That's yeah, totally. why I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really funny, I think, um, dynamic, maybe within specifically like very visually oriented fields where maybe clients, and maybe it's because it's like seeing is something everyone can do, you know, and so it seems accessible in that way, or it seems like, um, yeah, like accessible, touchable, like like they can process it in a certain way. Um, maybe where certain opinions, like when you've hired someone to do a design project and then you don't actually let them do it it's a bit funny like it, you wouldn't do that with a lawyer and you yeah. wouldn't do that with a doctor you know <laughs> you're not gonna yeah, tell exactly. your surgeon how to like make the incision into your into your body <laughs> yeah and then I think yeah. there's another layer of 3d because if you hire a photographer or a videographer to do a shoot 
that's the footage, you know, like there's mm-hmm. an amount you can do it in post-production, but you get what you shot and like you hire a set designer and that's, that's the set. And the thing with 3D is because everyone thinks that 3D is, is boundless and your imagination is a limit, which to a certain extent it is, but also is not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you just end up with this constant, I would say more layers of feedback than you would get with other mediums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a certain point to which like the concept of limitlessness can actually be a bit terrifying mm-hmm. and actually I think that maybe there's like a tie in there with for example like dating apps or Tinder or whatever where like this um appeal or the idea of constant choice and no no certain end to certain things can Mm-hmm. shift someone's perception of, mm-hmm. um, yeah the the endless scroll yeah, on instagram exactly. and, yeah yeah um yeah and cool any is there anything else that you wanted to to kind of bring up or or is there anything that we should keep an eye out for in your future work or like other than the the factory project that you yeah, have coming up soon um, I have some work at the MMMAD. There's this urban design festival in Madrid that I think starts on the 5th of May, I want to say, very soon. Um, And I've got some work that's going to be on some huge LED screens there, which (laughs) when you're a digital designer, I mean, I can't go and see it physically, but like seeing your work on some some fat screens is is really really nice yeah so that's yeah i think if you just check out the instagram mmmad yeah it's <laughs> a lot of m's yeah i can't remember <laughs> if it's two or three yeah um cool yeah i'll put a link for that um when i upload the podcast and then nice yeah nice yeah and then Whatever. more more twitch streams you know uh i invested in a second screen so now <laughs> i can mm-hmm. actually do streaming properly um so yeah more streams are coming exciting um cool well yeah thank you so much for for coming on um and i'll definitely yeah we'll make sure that the the twitch stream and and the upcoming exhibition are linked um so anyone listening if you want to check out Harriet's streams and and learn a, you know a little bit about blender and and daz and and see what she's up to definitely follow along there nice um, yeah but thank you so much for coming on this was thank you so really much lovely. for having me and i'm super looking forward to listening to the rest of the episodes yeah um okay well have a great night you too Thank you.